my goodness me. Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Happy Christmas and welcome to a festive episode 11 of Grassroots, the number one podcast aimed squarely at the Grassroots women's game. In this caterpillar ruck of a podcast, a tired and emotional team discuss the aftermath of the Christmas social, mischief making and how to put on a good rugby social. We welcome Kestevan ladies, Sherry talks and acronyms and we also get a one star review. We wrap up 12 finds of Christmas and sign off 2021 in typically irreverent style. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. Nine, Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. And Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So what's the most grassroots thing you've ever seen then? It's probably some of our training drills. The coaches bless them. They'll come out with these great ideas. And then coaching women is different. Um, we, we look at things very differently. We like to process it and go, right, so what do we need to do? So some of our training sessions have, it's been a, on paper, looks fantastic. Add <laughs> us girls to it and they just go, yeah, well, that didn't work, did it? And realise that, yeah, that just isn't going to cut it with us. You're triggering my uh, tick now talking about this. And I'm just remembering all those training sessions that I'd planned and written detailed notes and all the rest of it. Turned up and within five minutes, I've got 20 blank faces looking at me or worse, 20 people taking a piss out of me. <laughs> yeah, I was completely right. I think women are very methodical. So you tell them like, we're going to work on this drill and perhaps it's a, a, a drill that say, if they say do one to five, but then as we're expanding the drill, we're going to miss out, say, three. No, 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 we don't understand that. You've told us to do one to five instructions <laughs> to a T, so we don't understand when you're telling us to do something different because you've told us one to five. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the exasperation is real, it has to be said. But equally, joking aside, it is important to communicate more effectively because in a women's squad, you will have people that don't have 20 years of knowing what channel is knowing what in at the side means and all this sort of stuff you know so you do have to make sure you communicate in a way that's digestible for a, a range of abilities don't you yeah absolutely it was such a weird almost Jekyll and Hyde kind of evening one minute Jordan's like crying on my shoulder about feeling like she lost her rugby confidence next minute Christ. I'm trying to drive her tinder for her <laughs> it's like <laughs> It was just so random. It was just such a fucking random night. I just sort of end up just having bizarre conversations, sometimes quite serious conversations, followed by sitting there whilst people put lipstick on me. It's like, oh, God's sake, grow up, Matthew. Yeah, oh. you did look like you were doing drag at one point. You've got some serious makeup going on. That poo was so realistic. <laughs> Do you know, I got quite a bit of slack for poo in a pocket. Actually, turns out it was really fun when just take it back to being a dick. Not a real poo, yeah. but... Not actually defecation. That's not funny. <laughs> no, that not, wouldn't be funny. Not real poos, just fake poos. It was really good fun, actually. What was funny, though, is the people that weren't in on it and then they got a poo in their pint, their reaction when they got to the bottom of the glass or, <laughs> or it touched their lips or something was just so funny. They're pulling out of their pint glass and looking at it with absolute horror. <laughs> I've got a series of photos of Nick Kennedy where he's like, wait, what? 
what is this? he's like you guys oh my god i hate you <laughs> trying to fish it out of his pints <laughs> oh god <laughs> and then one of annabelle with thumbs up going yeah <laughs> oh god I just remember eating random pills out of Sarah's handbag as well. That oh, God, was really I did stupid. too. Emma got really worked up, didn't she? She was like, yeah. don't do it, don't do it. We're like, oh, it was hot because I think they were Rennies. I didn't Rennies. have heartburn last night. So all good. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> so today I'm joined by Jade, Zoe and Emma from Kestevan Rugby Club, which is out in Lincolnshire, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We're just based just outside of Grantham. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Kestevan, I must confess, it's not somewhere I've ever been before. Yeah, so Kestevan Rugby Club, um, like I said, it's just based uh, in Woodnook, which is just outside of Grantham. The club has really expanded over the last, I'd probably say, 10 years. We have a huge minis and juniors section. And in regards to the ladies' side, that started about four years ago on a very cold November night in the pouring down rain where I think a lot of us were told to attend to show Willie. And four years later, this is where we are and we're still going strong and, and loving every minute of it. What was the driving force behind it? You said you sort of press ganged into going down, so to speak. How did that come about? So there was already the girls' section, if I'm correct, that was up and running. And the motto at Kirstephen is uh, one club, one family. And I really think that that is the case. We've all very much been involved with the club in different ways, whether it be supporting partners, coaches for minis and juniors, going up and supporting teams, our children, etc., and we'd seen the development of the girls' section, which is led by Martin Parker. And we just all thought, you know what? We all want to get involved in that. We all want them to be able to follow into something. The section of the girls' and ladies' team has grown hugely, I would say, in the last few years. And we felt that it was really, really important that they were doing such a wonderful thing in the girls' section. And we wanted to know that they had an area to progress to. It started off at that, and I think it's really expanded into so much more for so many people. It's uh, opened up a lot more doors and uh, helped a lot of the ladies in many different ways. From your perspective then, were you experienced players before starting? No. That was a very quick no. <laughs> okay, there was one or two since had played before. We had all played netball at school because our average age in our, in our team is a little bit older than most, but never had the opportunity to really play rugby at school. So myself, I joined at kind of 32 going, oh, it'll be a bit, bit fitness. And then we've now been doing it for four years and... I think we can call ourselves rugby players. It's an interesting question, actually. At what point do you go from having a go at rugby to becoming a rugby player? It's like a weird sort of transition you go through, isn't it? I think it certainly is. And I think as soon as you get a new player, you can tell, you can see the change and the journey that they go through. You know, when they buy their first pair of boots and then when they ordered their gum shield, it's really funny because you can see them kind of going, hang about, I think I am actually starting to play rugby and I'm actually getting involved in this. This isn't like, like Emma was saying, it's not just a fitness thing I actually am now getting quite addicted to this and I want that little bit more and I think for all of us it was the first game we had first friendly I think we all kind of went wow we we feel a little bit out of our comfort zone because when would we have ever experienced anything like that I've certainly got a level of envy for the girls nowadays and you know we've got some players that have just gone to university and speaking to them and they're saying you know playing for their university team they train twice a week they have a nutritionist and I am just so envious because I never had the option of playing rugby until I was 29. And how have you grown and recruited players? Because where you're based is a bit out of the way, isn't it? I'd be lying if I said, Tawa, it's been really easy with recruitment. You were completely right. You know, 
Grantham is not near a university. We are very lucky that we've got two amazing grammar schools in Grantham. Then a lot of them do tend to go to university and don't be wrong, their support and love for the club continues. But understandably, they go to university, they come back when they can for the odd weekend to play for us. But recruitment is, has been one of those things that we've had to really dig deep sometimes to think, how are we going to reach people? I'd say a lot of our players do come from within the club or word of mouth. I feel personally that we do have a good reputation at Castevan for being a real family club where everyone gets stuck in, everybody wants to support each other. I think it speaks volumes in that two of our coaches are first team players for the men's side. They completely support us, come and watch games, will give pieces of advice. So we do have a lot of players that see that and then think, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to come and give it a go. And the, the thing that we say to any new player is, come up and give it a go. What are you going to lose by coming up for one session? You're not going to lose anything. We also try and push things on the social side as well. It's been obviously really difficult in the last year or so with it being COVID. We did get some new players just before COVID actually hit and we do have chat groups. We did loads of quizzes, uh, loads of different challenges through lockdown to keep everyone engaged and, and interested. I think some people were cringing at the thought of some of the challenges we did have to do. But everyone everyone did take part. So, you know, it, that's the main thing. We were able to laugh at ourselves and think, shall we? If that's cheered up a few people, then we've achieved what we uh, set out to do. Keeping some form of contact with the squad during lockdown was vital. And you can definitely see the impact that that's had on the squads that as they go back into the into a, a league season. The ones that stay together through that period are actually, if anything, tighter. They're closer than they were perhaps previously. Whereas the ones that maybe went into hibernation seem to be having to start again with the recruitment, which is always, as you said, extremely challenging. How's the male side of the club embraced the women's section at Kesteven? Completely. 100%. And I mean that truthfully. They have been, honestly, absolutely brilliant. I think, you know, understandably at the start, there was a bit of a, hmm, what's all of this about? Not really too sure what's going to happen and how things are going to pan out. So we had quite a lot of people come and watch our first few matches. I think out of intrigue, in all honesty, and I can't blame them. You know, it's a completely different thing for the club, you know, a ladies' up. And after that, I just think their support has been absolutely brilliant. You know, we get so many of the lads that will come up and watch us on a Sunday. Even when we were away at Lincoln on Sunday, they came up and watched, um, gave some feedback and some support, which which is exactly what we need. You know, we are still fairly fresh into this, you know, not having played any form of rugby before, majority of us, and still getting so many new players that have never even touched a rugby ball. Getting feedback and support from them is, is absolutely crucial for us. And I know fine well that if I picked up the phone and said to them, listen, we're working on X this week. We could really do with your knowledge and uh, your experience. They would say, yeah, I'll do everything I can to try and make it and uh, come and help out. It sounds really silly, but stuff with kit, you know, they're more than happy to share balls, uh, tackle bags, anything, certainly start where we hadn't built up that equipment because um, we were so new and didn't have the funds, etc. And that they were, you know, borrow whatever you need to. And uh, it, that's absolutely fine. We want to support what you want. We want this work as much as you do. I can't emphasize enough the importance of engaging with the wider club when you're setting up the women's section. Most well-established, long-standing traditional clubs wanted and welcomed the ladies' section, weren't really sure how to support and how to go about it. Some of them got off to a difficult start, that's for sure, and it did cause a few issues, but certainly we've had nothing but support from the, from the men's section on the whole. I couldn't agree more, and for my involvement with Kasevan, my partner plays for the men's first team. So although I joined the ladies team well, about four years ago, 
I've been going up to the club now for the last 12 years and and I've certainly noticed such a change and that is absolute credit to so many volunteers that are involved in the club that have done exactly what you've just been talking about and saying let's expand what we've got here why are we kind of bottling this precious thing that we've got up and categorizing it to be senior men only very small mini and junior section when actually there's so many people that want to get involved in rugby clubs and for so many different reasons um, want to be part of it so let's actually open those doors and say let's let's try and get as many people involved in uh rugby as possible is honestly on a sunday morning it's absolutely brilliant going up to the club and seeing how incredible it is with the mini seniors we've done really really well uh, certainly Stephen, to to kind of really open the doors to that and kind of support it and push for minis, juniors, girls, senior men and ladies. Um, like I said, it definitely feels like a one family setup. Everybody succeeds, which is actually really nice, really refreshing. And as individuals then, what has rugby given to you personally? Um, so Emma here. So my husband coaches, he coaches the under 12s, my little boy He's not so little now, in under 12s, um, but he started at the club as an under six, so right at the beginning of minis. And for me, it's brought a huge other family. So we moved up from London. We'd never lived in the area. And the only way for us to kind of really integrate into to Grantham was through rugby. A lot of my friends are, are based from the rugby club and we've got lifelong friends. So for me, it is that the socialising bit, the, the fact that I know even if I have a really rotten day at work or something's really stressful at work, I can go on a Wednesday and I know I've got 20 girls that will understand that it's been a bad day or hold that tackle bag so you can to make a hit. So I think it is not just a sport. It is about family. It's just about supporting each other. And without rugby, I don't think I'd have had that. No, I completely endorse that. I moved up to this area from London as well. And after a year or so trying to get my job up and running and we had a baby at the time as well I was being almost lonely I was down I, I probably go as far as to say I was depressed uh, and I went over on my bike one night and just by accident found the rugby club and got chatting to a few people there who were not the most welcoming people that I've ever met genuinely you know across the sport and that was the end of that you know my, my life changed as a result. I think that's brilliant yeah. How about Zoe? What has rugby given to you? Yeah, so I'm similar to Emma. My boy plays in the under-13s. So he started under-6s at the club and he sort of worked his way through all of the teams there. So I help out with the first aid for his team, got involved that way. And then with the ladies, I just sort of used to stand and watch them train when I used to come up to the touch rugby sessions and think, oh, I really want to join. I really want to get back (laughs) to play at school. And I just sort of used to stand and watch and then eventually just took the plunge and just sort of turned around and said to my husband, I'm going to go across to the ladies today. And yeah, not looked back since, been back into it. And uh, it was a bit of a shock to the system, I must admit, after uh, 18 years of being away. Loving it, you know, really enjoying every moment, all the matches, everything we've got. It's such a, a support network. You know, like Emma says, you know, if you need anything, you can drop a message into the group. Someone will pop and get some shopping for you or, you know, they'll do whatever you need them to do. And we are just there for each other. It is all encompassing. So me and my son have now managed to convince my husband. He started playing for the seconds team and they're sort of trying to build up um, that team again because we, uh, we have struggled for numbers in the past. But, um, and you know, it's, it's taking off now. And I, I think that's just sort of credit to the one club, one family and, and everybody getting involved where we can. 
How about you, Jay? What's your journey been? I've been going up to the club for the last 12 years and watching my husband play. And there was almost a, a piece for me that I didn't quite get it. He is so committed to running, <laughs> like really committed. <laughs> and I used to think, I don't get it. You know, you're, you're on a Tuesday and Thursday in all weathers and you're playing on Saturdays where sometimes you don't get home until eight o'clock, half eight. I'd go and watch and I'd completely see the appeal and think, yeah, I get it to an extent, but I don't really understand how you can be that committed to something until I started playing. And I kind of feel like I've had to apologise a little bit to him because I did a few times kind of just say, why are you getting home so late? I don't understand why. Why does it take so long? Yeah, I know that feeling. (laughs) I genuinely think people that don't have that involvement or haven't played don't fully get it. Actually, once you are in the thick of things, the commitment that you do want to offer, you know, you don't want to let yourself down, your team down, your coaches down, the club down. You know, there's so many different aspects to it. And also, you know, you do think to yourself, every training session is so precious. There might be something that I might miss. And also, I want to be there for the whole team that if, you know, somebody, like the girls were saying, is having a bit of a down day, down week, down month, you know, you want to be there to kind of go, I've clocked that and I'm going to drop them a message later on. And with the shifts that I currently work, I currently don't get to attend every single train session. And I absolutely hate it. I really do. Like I feel like I've really missed out on something. And I, I always ask them to kind of give me a bit of a rundown as to what we've actually run through and you know, how everyone thought it went, what the feed was. So I do now completely, completely get it and have apologised since to my husband to kind of say, grief over the years I get that but now I'll be like so are we going at the club this weekend and it might be a case of well I don't have a game but the seconds have got a game you know and it's kind of like what's that you know you just can't get enough I think certainly during lockdown that feeling has grown stronger because you've gone god what a gap in our lives that was no any of us knew what to do with ourselves no I think being around rugby people it's almost a tribal thing isn't it I find when I walk into a clubhouse I just feel at home. I feel like I'm around my people. And it doesn't matter what their socioeconomic backgrounds are, whether they're from Crewe or from you know, the Isle of Wight where I'm from and all this sort of stuff. It, we just sort of have that deep-rooted connection with each other. And that now exists across the women's section as well, which I just think is such a positive thing to have in life, let alone in a, in a community. When we were first starting out, one of the things I think we were all really excited about was playing different teams, speaking to different teams, going to their clubs and seeing how they did things and expanding that network. We feel really strongly about that, that wherever we go, we want to make connections with that team and expand the whole ladies rugby network and just everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet. I just think that is completely what rugby is like. It's great to see teams that stick with it. There's the team we used to play called Workington, Workington Finches. If you're listening, shout out to you guys. You've done an amazing job. But when we first started playing them, they were up in the northwest of Cumbria. So it's a long old way. Very tough area as well in lots of ways. And when we first started playing them, we were beating them 80, 90 nil. And so was everybody else. They were really struggling. And yet they stuck with it to the point where they were fighting for league promotion quite recently. They're winning games. Their squad's grown. They've got a junior girls section. And that's all from weathering that initial storm and sticking with it. It's so easy when you start playing league matches and you start losing to think, you know what, we're not up to this and players start to drift off and all the rest of it. 
But it's not always going to be like that. You have to go through those difficult times often to get to the bits that are good. Thank you so much for joining us. And I guess as a last thought, if somebody was listening to this and thinking, right, I really fancy giving Stephen a go, what advice have you got for them? Just do it. Don't think about it. Just come along, be it trainers, pair of leggings and a hoodie and just come and give it a go. We all started there. No one will criticise you or patronise you. We are an absolutely lovely group. Just come along and, and give it a go. Don't have any regret. Jodie, actually, just reminded myself that you had an update on the shower situation. Yes. So we played away at Manchester last week and I didn't manage to get any information regarding how they shower because I wasn't provided with a dictaphone again. I gave Molly a dictaphone to give to you. Yeah, it's in my bag. Oh, she didn't pass it on. Listen, you shouldn't have broke your other one, Jodie, and I wouldn't be in this position. I replaced it. That's the one you have in your bag. Oh, it's a different what? one. Lou's got that one. Oh, anyway. I forgot I had so, it, to be fair, until I put everything in the wash and was like, oh, shit, what's that blue thing? Yeah, so I went fully nude in the showers. Did you? Yeah, for the first time, which was Woo-hoo! a very big thing for me. I got it. Well, Jodie, you go, girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I wore like, the tiniest knickers as well, because I thought, right, if I'm not wearing hardly any knickers, then it won't feel so bad taking them off. And I had like my rainbow towels, like, yeah, super confident, let's do this. I get in, I take my knickers off. And I'm like, oh, God. I quickly look for, like, someone who will understand what I'm talking about. So I see Laura Dobbs. And I'm like, Dobbs. And I'm like, fully nude, Laura. Just like, oh, okay. Oh, that's a bit bad response. A bit of an anticlimax for you. Yeah. But did, then, did you think that she was thinking you were asking her to properly look at you? Yeah, naked? but then I realised what I actually did was apprehended someone in the showers whilst naked and pointed at my vagina and said, look at it. <laughs> so <laughs> her response was valid. Is this sort of a new thing then, or was it that was just a one-off to see how it felt? After the game, well, sort of game last night, I had a shower as well naked, but it was a bit easy because there's only four of us in there, so it didn't feel as yeah. over So did you feel a little bit liberated? Yeah. Extra clean? Not that sort of thing? Extra clean, but I did feel liberated. I might do it now and again. It's not going to be like a constant 100% of the time I'll be naked. I'll mix up a bit. Knickers, sometimes not. Depends if I brought knickers with me, I guess. So I think every time I need to coach one more person. What, just like when naked? Good, yeah, take your knickers off. One more person every game. One Don't more try me. That's not happening. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll see. I'll see how weird that comes across. Probably very. Yeah, demanding people yeah. take their knickers off in the shower. <laughs> right, get your kit off. All of it. <laughs> Rugby is hard enough without your equipment letting you down. From badly fitting shirts to shorts that cut off your circulation, many sportswear manufacturers haven't worked out how to make kit that fits for the rich variety of women's shapes and sizes. After years of development, feedback and research, Halbro have done what many bigger sportswear brands have yet to achieve, designed a playing kit specifically to fit the female form. With curves in all the right places, four-way stretch, and a cut to suit all shapes and sizes, Halborough are uniquely placed to give your team the shirts they deserve. For more information, contact Fergus at Halborough.com. To learn more about what Halborough can do for you, and to see some amazing case studies, visit www.halborough.com forward slash women's hyphen rugby. And don't forget to mention Grassroots.
grassroots news with Lou. So it's a very quick, like, my brain is not working today. I just had so much booze last night. <laughs> brain damage as a result of coming out. You brain you know, damage yourself. Also, I'm coughing like I'm like that Walter from Breaking Bad. Anyway, so it's not lose news it's lose reviews this week so just wanted to say thank you very much to everybody who's taken the time to give us a rating to listen to us uh, to download our podcast we really appreciate it but we were a little bit taken aback by a one-star review this week <laughs> we're like what oh my god a one-star review what after the initial shock we're like hold on a minute Who's listened to it? Who we've actually offended? And what have we said? And who might it be? So I've been trying to rock our brains who it might have been. But if you want to give us a one star review, that's absolutely cool. But give us a reason. Because <laughs> if it's like something utterly shit, then yeah. It could be anyone though. We've actually slagged a fair few people out and that isn't including the ones that we cut out of the actual podcast. i tell you it is. It's Portia Woodman. It's probably someone from Amesbury that Jodie's pissed off with this ongoing feud. (laughs) Have we actually got a one-star review? We've got 18 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Right, I'm fucking looking this up. I'm furious. Yeah. They've not left any comment or anything, though. No, no comment. No No comment. Just a bang, one-star review. Have some of that. It's going to be one of our teammates, isn't it? Spineless fucker. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to actually give us a one-star review... That is absolutely fine, but tell us why. How can we improve? Tell us why. Give us your name, your address, your personal mobile number, your email (laughs) address, and we promise that no harm will come. Anyway, we're all smarting a little bit, apart from Molly from the Christmas party yesterday. So I thought it'd be an interesting mini discussion to think about what constitutes a good rugby Christmas party. And actually, what I will say is, for the first time in living memory, the party wasn't wrecked by someone or something. As we know of. There wasn't is, a fight, as far as we're aware. There was no fighting. Nobody was sick all over the bar. Nobody, nobody got arrested. Slapping. I don't remember anybody crying in the toilets. There were um, people crying, though, just not in the toilets. Were there? <laughs> well, I, I people that were crying. I mean, obviously oh, no. I think Matt's oblivious to what actually happened by the sounds of it. And he was just sitting in the corner with his makeup on and, and Alex's crop top. Yeah. I don't know how I ended up with lipstick, eyeliner, eyeshadow and some glitter on and Alex's crop top. Although I think I and did... the like, tweezers in your pint. With a pair of tweezers in my pint, along with three sachets of salt that I didn't realise until halfway down it. And a poo. <laughs> so yeah, all very grown up affair. You, know, you guys have had plenty of Christmas socials over the years. Which ones do you remember as being brilliant and which ones? Perhaps not so much. It's all the ones that you mentioned, the things that didn't happen last night. You know, like drinking, <laughs> the crying, the being sick. They're the ones that you remember. They're the ones that live in history. Like, do you remember that year, like four years ago, when she vomed on the table? Like, oh, yeah. Have to go apologize. <laughs> remember that year when our team split up and everyone got hearty with each other? I was like, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> How I laughed. <laughs> when Katie had three Jager bombs instead of the prescribed one in the 12 pubs of Christmas and then was sick and the black lion and we had to try and scoop it up with a piece of paper. <sighs> that was a special day. I do have a, a memory of singing Christmas carols whilst dressed as an elf in, oh. in Nantwich Town Square. God. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Which was like fine for the first minute or two and then there seemed to be an endless list of uh, carols that we were supposed to sing. 
which soon got a little bit boring. And those dickhead boys joined in Definitely. as well. I thought the 12 pubs of Christmas was always a good one, but it was always a massive recipe for disaster. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Unless you're old school, yeah. in which case where it says, a shot of your choice. We're like, yeah, we're no dickheads. I'll have a shot of water. Thank you. Because <laughs> it didn't say an alcoholic. No, exactly. It's, it's all in the detail. But I remember yeah. Dubs, who's not with us today, because she overdid it at the party last night and has been vomiting all day. She's still being sick. You sound like she's died. Probably at some point today, she probably wished she had died. <laughs> the she's no longer with us. <laughs> she's no longer with us. She's here in body. She's either body, mind or spirit. But I remember the 12 pubs of Christmas on her very, very first one. She was at the bar and we would, had to order a drink off this list we were given. And uh, I remember going up to her and saying that, Dubs, just to pre-warn you, the bastard's in the detail, so you don't always have to do it exactly as it says on there. Just be careful, basically. And she just tapped this oversized glass of gin and tonic, complete with bits of fruit in it and all kinds. And just gave me a wink and said, not my first rodeo, Beatty. Not my first rodeo. I was like, fair play. <laughs> yeah, so she survived the night, but I think yesterday passed. Yes, but I think today has been a rodeo for no, it her. Has. She has, has not been in a good way. But the thing is, I'm always amazed by the drama that I don't see. I'm either I'm usually oblivious to it or I leave early you, or something. Oh, my God. It all happens around you and you are just blind <laughs> to it, Matt. It's self-absorbed. You're only bothered about that's your own situation. Point. You don't see anything else. You think about your next client. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, it's probably true. But what's happened over the years? I remember arriving at the Wickstead one night to absolute devastation. And there was like a, a massive Barney going on between one of the players and the doorman who wouldn't let her in. And then there was somebody literally in a heap vomiting. There was somebody in floods of tears being comforted by about three players. Then there was a, a pint glass went through a window or something. It was like, what is going on? It was like a war zone. <laughs> I remember that. It was really bad. And then somebody was doing something very, well, a sexual act on somebody outside the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it was really bad. And I remember looking going, what are they doing? And in my drunken mind, I was like, are they? They must be helping him with his jeans. But then when I said it in my head, I realised, in fact, this player was helping herself to an ample sausage. Yeah. she. Well, you know, right, can we just discuss rugby Christmas do's? Because what Lou said about, uh, sorry, not just about the sausage, but what Lou said about the fact that you never eat. So literally, right? Yeah. Every year, we say 12 pubs will go, it's pub six, we'll stop in the chippy or pizza parlour on the way through, we'll get some chips, soak up a bit of alcohol. Never fucking happens. (laughs) You get to pub 10, you're practically eating your arm or sick, and you can't stop because you're so pissed at this point that eating's not going to happen. So you either eat some Walker's crisps, some pork scratchings, or go fuck it i'll have another shot of tequila and it literally is horrendous i'll have a baileys because there's is there protein in that <laughs> it's always the way every year i say to myself i must eat before i go out i say i need some toast or something next year i think i might bring a cheese sandwich and my handbag just in case because it's true you never eat we will fight you for your cheese sandwich if we know you've got a cheese sandwich <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll do a grassroots picnic for the night. We need that. We need to take a little bum bag, little fanny pack. With some I've got a fanny in. pack that matches dubs. Yeah, we've both got a sequins one that we took on holiday. So we could put Cornish pasties in the fanny pack. There you go. She wore a fanny pack last night and it really didn't help her in any way. The funniest thing that's ever happened to me on a Christmas social was my old club years ago. And I still to this day don't quite know what happened. But we got in a bit of a Barney with another rugby team in Richmond on Thames. I don't know how it all came about, but rather than have a fight, which would have ended up with one of us getting arrested or in hospital or something, we agreed to settle the dispute by having a scrum. We're talking like 30 v 30 mass scrum on Richmond Bridge, literally topping the traffic and all kinds of crazy clock in the morning. And the terms of the deal were that whoever won the scrum got to keep a player from the other team for the rest of the night and we won the scrum and we t- we picked this random guy and just took him off with us for the rest of the night which is all kind of funny till I woke up in the morning with like bodies all over my flat and there's just this random guy there asleep on my couch I was like who are you he's like you won me in the scrum last night ah okay the funny thing was he then got the train home with another friend of mine and they ended up getting on quite well on the train and I saw him at a wedding about four years later I was like I know you because yeah you won me in a scrum about five years ago god imagine like remembering someone's face and that's the reason you know them so yeah oh yeah the good old days I know it was so crazy it was one of those nights it just ended up just with everything that could go wrong did go wrong was it like the hangover exactly like that yeah my friend Jason he went back to his flat got there the key wouldn't work in the lock of his door couldn't work out what was going on so he managed to climb in a window that was slightly ajar and got in, didn't want to wake his girlfriend up, got on the sofa. And then he woke up at like four in the morning to some guy screaming. He'd actually moved house and forgotten in his drunken state. So he'd gone back to his oh old house. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that so is bad. It was bad. And literally this guy and his girlfriend would just go absolutely nuts. They're thinking that some burglar had broken in. There's just Jason just asleep on their sofa. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. He could have been worse though. He could have tried to get in bed with them and they thought he was trying to have a threesome. <laughs> that would be really bad. So I think the recipe of a good Christmas social then clearly seems to me to be a fairly loose agenda, a food stop. And a couple of people who were total dickheads that get mischievous and do stupid things. Definitely. I think it's also a good idea to identify (laughs) early as well who are the likely troublemakers (laughs) and just have somebody watch and keep on them, you know, because the ones that cause trouble are normally the same ones every time, aren't they? I like planting seeds. It's called goading. Because I'm one of these people that can drink a fair bit and then I hit a switch, then the eyes go, I can't walk and I'm absolutely shit-faced. But that's normally quite late on, not the end, but kind of late on so when the likely people get a little bit leery or whatever you just like to say oh yeah katie i really think it'd be a good idea if you had five sambukas or <laughs> you know i bet you couldn't drink five sambukas <laughs> no i i wouldn't but I you know bet. I yeah. Bet, yeah yeah just plant the seeds oh she looks really friendly oh she's looking at you a bit weird there oh, katie no. you know you know just oh. stuff like that i love it Ooh, katie that woman over there said you're a shit rugby player. <laughs> <laughs> she said you'll never make a seven. It's all gone off. It's carnage in the wick. <laughs> Katie, why? Why do you do this? No. This is Molly's Grassroots Salute. Grassroots Salute... I don't know if we're able to include this because I was, I'm was i a bit unsure, really. There's this company that I think we should get involved with called Clubhouse Competitions. 
it looks legit, but I'm a bit of a sucker. Like last Christmas, I ordered a watch off this really cool website. Turned out wasn't legit. So I'm a bit nervous about it. But they've posted in the Women's Rugby Network. And basically, they do challenges each week. Clubs have to apply, do the challenge, and then they announce the winner. So like they've done a drop goal challenge. They've got competitions where you can win some really cool physio stuff, 250 quid. Xbox console, lots of gin. Sounds right up my street. And it says it's uh, legit. Well, let's um, investigate it. If anyone's got any experience of using Clubhouse competitions, get in touch. Looking at it now, it looks like it could be legit. But then they always look like they could be legit until they're not. Yeah, but basically you can only apply if you're a grassroots club. So I just think it's quite cool. And there's a leaderboard so you can have a competition between different clubs. So I do think it looks quite legit, but I thought that would be really cool to try and get some people involved. Yeah, definitely. I do like the picture of a suitcase with loads of £50 notes. Yeah, but this is what I mean. Is that too good to be true? Is that legit? (laughs) Oh, £1 per ticket. They've put a lot of effort into this if it's fake. Aylesbury, RFC. Chesham, RFC. Fullerians, RFC. Chesham Women. Leighton Buzzard. Oh, they're cool. No, this is legit. They filmed their drop goal challenge. Nice. Okay. I think we should do a grassroots drop goal challenge and enter. Like it. Yes. What do you reckon? Let's do it. I mean, we might have to draft a few ringers in because I don't think my leg can kick yet. Leg is now my bad leg. So that's. I feel you. I think that's a great shout. Let's do that. We'll be back after Christmas. I'll come and film a grassroots drop goal challenge. Am I allowed to play? Matt, you're probably going to be the only one who can kick it far enough. So yeah, (laughs) sure. My hopes are riding on you. (laughs) No pressure. Can you kick, Jodie? I've never seen you kick. I can kick, but people can kick better than me. So I've never had the opportunity to kick. We'll have to have a look. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen... The promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Jez says. I don't even know how far so how's your week been, Sherry? Not too bad. Yeah, I don't think too much has gone wrong this week. Just the usual, you know. <laughs> Meet myself coming back. How was your Christmas shopping trip to Manchester? Too many people just coming at you. I did wonder, if you get the rage in Aldi, walking around Manchester on a couple of days before Christmas is bad times. The card shops generally give me the rage. They are prime for it. There's one aisle in, there's one aisle out. It's not a square shop. And there's always people in those aisles looking at the cards. So they're prime for Christmas rage. So I avoid card shops. I can't. Is Christmas rage more ragier than regular rage? Yeah, it's like tinsel and glitter everywhere. (laughs) Do you get extra points if you kick or punch or shove someone when it's Christmas rage? What I tend to do is whatever I've got in my hand at the time, it may be a roll of wrapping paper, could be a gift bag. I squeeze it really hard. (laughs) That's what I do. And I usually end up breaking what I was about to buy because it's the only way I can stop myself from putting my hand around the person's throat who has probably just done an emergency stop in front of me mid-stride. It's the only way. <laughs> I do that, but they don't know Never let it be it. said that you've got anger issues, it's Sherry. Eternal. <laughs> it's getting a bit edgy in Aldi. I can see next week's going to be touchy. Nothing particular. There was just smit in the air. You know when you know. 
the Christmas craze is coming. You could feel it. Even this man in the queue, he was only buying butter chicken sauce, and he said he could feel it. You can feel it in the air. You know, there's nothing actually going on. You just know it's there. It's looming like a cloud. So next week's going to be very dicey. But luckily, they do those things where, you know, they open at three in the morning over Christmas, don't they? I generally yeah. go and do my food shop at three because that's the only way I can avoid the stupid. Wow. Do you set the alarm or do you just stay up? No, no, I set the alarm, go and do the food shop and come back to bed. It reduces the chance of me kicking off by about 33%. <laughs> it's not much, Only. but, you know, it could be the matter of life and death. That For someone so, else, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather get up early, get it done and get out before all the nutters start fighting over pieces of ham. If it all combines with, I've got a lockdown as well, that could be absolute mayhem. That could be nuclear, that. I'm working Monday and Tuesday morning, then that's it, I'm done. I've got a week off. Mm. Talking of work, Sherry, I dropped Grace off at school in yesterday. A yeah, in a onesie, with all the carrot family. Um, <laughs> but I had to have a word with the teacher. I forgot I was wearing a Manscaped t-shirt. Oh, dear. Um, I did have a coat on, could definitely see the logo that said manscaped your balls the conversation was had with the logo not with my actual face <laughs> well, i accidentally wore mine for school one day this week and then had to keep my coat on for the whole shift i rushed straight from the supermarket and i forgot so i just kept my coat on my i wore coat. mine last <laughs> night all around the trafford center i thought it was a good place to get manscaped out there there's all types of shapes and sizes in the trafford center it's pretty scary so yeah i've manscaped. been there for a long time Good footage. I wouldn't rush to get there. It's a bit nuts. It wasn't as crazy as you would expect it to be on a Friday night. Mm, bonus for you then, Sherry. Mm. Definitely. Less rage, more <laughs> shopping. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not planning on driving anywhere this weekend, mainly because I'll be drunk or over the limit. <laughs> How about you, Jenny? How's your week been? Okay, I was on a course. I am now qualified to do leak tests on an AC machine. What, so, what is that? AC, basically. Mm. I can check to see if AC is broken. Oh. What who's AC? Air conditioning. Oh right. Could you not just say that? Why have you just... had to shorten it? That's like Sorry. me going to the woman on the freezer island, Aldi, and going, Have you got any RP? Because I want roast <laughs> potatoes. She wouldn't have a fucking clue what I was talking about, would she? Yeah, no. but everyone knows what AC is. Well, I don't. Well, clearly not. <laughs> Maybe in the AC world, but not normal people. Everyone's harsh, Sherry. It's just weird. That I might start doing that today. I'm gonna go to the Talbot later on. Can you have a pint of C? You know, literally be anything. Do you want Carlin or cider? Keep them guessing. You, you can get all kinds of crap, can you? Pint you of Chardonnay. Yeah, Chardonnay, <laughs> yeah. Pint of crap. And not realise that air conditioning is shortened to AC. I'll say, who even are you? Do you know, Jodie? Everybody knows what C is. AC? Gosh. Really? So I'm looking forward to seeing you dally pints of cranberry juice later, Sherry. <laughs> Could get messy tonight. I'm at the Elvis do. Bit of burning love tonight. Oh, Elvis I'm tonight. I'm at the Elvis Pure Presley show at the Civic. Paul Larkham. Bit of Jay Louse rock for me tonight. Going out at five. The show doesn't start till eight. Could be very messy. You're definitely getting a yellow card. Yeah, litre of vodka in my tights. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my doorbell just went. Do you mean your DB? <laughs> 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 I'm going to start talking like that everywhere now. I'm going to keep you updated with how many people knew what the hell I was on about, and I'm not expecting it to be many. Right. If you go ask someone what AC is, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Everyone bar you knows this. Are you taking a couple of old bras to throw at Elvis later, Sherry? Not old ones. I'll probably just whip off the one I'm wearing. <laughs> 
you could probably get a few at the uh, club later. A couple of those uh, zip-up sports bras that keep falling I'm thinking out. of going as Priscilla. I'm thinking beehive. You know my pink spiky wig? I'm going to try and get it into a beehive. You mean a BH? Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Jodie, you'll be glad to know that when we spoke to Zoe on Thursday, I passed your message on about Shauna Brown. Did you give her my number, honestly? What I said is... If she speaks to Shauna Brown and she would like Jodie's number to get in touch and I'll pass it over. <laughs> I didn't want to just give it out just in case because she might have given it to somebody else by accident. Yeah, GDPR. Imagine. I've had a text, so I was thinking you'd not give my number out. I'd get all nervous. But, Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. You, you need, yeah, you need to practice your intro if you're going to get Shauna on the phone, really, don't you? You could, you, you could go wrong at the very first hurdle. What should I say to the first thing? Why don't you introduce her to Hi, the AC on. world? Uh... Ask her if she knows what AC is. There's a good icebreaker. She should know what AC is. She's a firefighter. She will now if she uh, listens to the podcast. Hey, oh, you're right. Recording the podcast. I'm not joking. What am I in it then? I hope not. They'll probably edit you out. Well, you are now. There is that. JT. That's Jace Turner to you, but obviously you'd know that. <laughs> you Oh my god. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to try and carry this on for the whole day, Matt. Can someone S the D and eat quiet in here? That shut the door to anyone who didn't know. <laughs> I was thinking something big. <laughs> I'm not being funny. I thought you were a woman of the cloth. You don't do that. <laughs> the cloth. I thought it was just a vague question, can someone suck the dick? And I wasn't going to no, put a hand up. I was shorthanding, can someone shut the door? Because someone's opened the door. This could get very confusing. So, Lou, when are you coming back? Have you got the date in the diary yet? You went to physio last week. Yeah, he said at least six months. Six months. Is it real physio? Is it like black market? <laughs> no, it's real physio at the hospital. <laughs> oh, right, you. sorry. I thought you'd <laughs> found some jet. back street clinic like where you had your veneers done. Shut up! Don't tell everyone about that! You've not been back to Istanbul then for the rest of your treatment? No, that was Turkey anyway. That is Istanbul. No, I didn't go Paris, I went to France. Fuck off. Let me tell you this one time Martin was going on to watch Italy, Wales. And one year he was going on and on. This was quite a few years ago. When I go to Italy and whatever, and then and then he said something about going to Rome. I said, "You fucking liar!" He said, "What?" I said, "You told me you were going to Italy." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Really? You actually just said that?" I said, "You've told me for months and months and months you were going to Italy, and now you decide you're going to Rome. What's that about?" But I've since realised where I failed. Yeah. I think we can both say, Sherry, that geography is not one of our fortes. No. I need the sat-nav to get up the back streets of crew. I do as well, to be fair. I don't think I've been to my mother-in-law's house. She lives about a mile and a half away. I don't think I've ever been to her house the same way more than once. <laughs> I'm all right getting to places. It's getting back. Is there not a setting yeah, on a sat-nav where you can, like, flip it? What I want to do is... Yeah, I find you the... press the button that says home. No, but it takes me home a different way. I want oh. to go home the way I just came, and that isn't an option. It takes me a different way, and I don't know why. There needs to be a button where you just flip your journey on its head. Can someone invent that, please? Well, driving southbound on the northbound carriageway is not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I go country lanes because I don't go on motorways. I choose home, and the sat-nav tries to bring me back on a motorway or some complete other way. I want to go back the way I just came, but it never does it, and I don't know why. What's wrong with motorways, Sherry? 
I don't like them. Too many cars. It's the same scenario as the supermarket when it's packed. A lot of stress, a lot of squeezing the steering wheel, a lot of swearing. It's not great for my blood pressure or wine consumption. I try and avoid these situations. There's too much going on. I prefer country lanes. Country lanes, or as you like to call them, CLs. Yeah. Or pull into an LB for a spot of D. <laughs> Stop it! Liberally apply my B. Your BP. Yeah. No BJ. Bongella. BJ is another acronym, though, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking more butt plug. Never a good thing when your BP drops out in the passenger seat. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my Especially God. when you've just pulled it and bought yourself a JD from Greg's. <laughs> That's a jam donut to you. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking Daniels. See what I mean? See how this AC talk can clearly get off track? This is what I was trying to tell you. It's not safe. Can we see Sherry into the Talbot later with a jam donut stuffed into a glass of Coke? We know what's up. Yeah. Can you get JD and Coke, please? <laughs> Without the sugar. Why is the jam on the I rim of my glass? That. Please, please order a JD and Coke and then just look at it and look at the staff and go, what the hell's this? Where's the jam? the jam? donut and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a small glass? Well, a donut's clearly not going to fit in that one, is it? No, I'll have to have a pint. <laughs> Twelve fines of Christmas. The last one. I revise one of my previous fines, and I now say poo in a pint. Not poo in a pocket. <laughs> it's poo in a pint. That's amazing. That is yeah. amazing. So not a real one, obviously, just a fake one. Because I got so much slack for the poo in a pocket comment. We took it to the next level last night on the social night out. Bought some fake poos, and then we took it as a challenge to see how many we could get in. Um, people's pocket that didn't go terribly well because we weren't very subtle probably on the account of that we drunk our body weight in so we were just like slinging them in people's pints it's a lot of fun definitely for a rugby social probably for a christmas social i definitely endorse that as a bit of fun it <laughs> caused funny. much hilarity particularly when people went in on it and then found one in the pint it did escalate, <laughs> it did escalate. i'm not gonna lie that's part of the fun isn't it <laughs> definitely Jodie, what's your fine? Mixing food and drinks together. But with it being Christmas, yeah. <laughs> I think we should have a mince pie in your pint and drink it. Obviously, it's up, so it's edible and drinkable. Oh, good God. I It'll definitely think turn to glue. there's definitely a, a place for eating fines. I think the root vegetable features regularly in fines. The onion. Did you, were you there oh, last night? The onion's a thing of nightmares. <laughs> were you there last night with the carrot and parsnip i saw some carrot eating i didn't see any parsnip yeah sean ate a raw uh, raw parsnip john uh, sarah's husband you've ate something better than that haven't you matt i was sentenced to eat a whole onion once it was so raw and strong i couldn't get my head around right how revolting it was because i like onion (laughs) and i eat onion in most things yeah there's a whole one like an apple it was just the stuff of nightmares. So I was chatting to somebody about this recently, actually. But it begs the question, why did anyone ever think that you could eat an onion in the first place? Because if you just bit into an onion, the first thing you do is gag. There's no way of stopping it. It's the most appalling thing. So somebody somewhere ate one and thought, you know what? Yeah, if we cook this up, it'd be nice with a bit of butter and some bacon or something. Or pickle it. 
Yeah, exactly. But the person you were chatting about this with was Irish. And then we said, but hold on a minute. Whoever thought about boiling or baking a potato? You take a mouthful of that and it's equally disgusting. Yeah, so. it is. But no, I, saw, I had the onion on a Sunday and I didn't even manage to eat a quarter of it. I had like four, three or four <laughs> bites out of it and it was just pretty much violently sick in a carrier bag on the bus and the way I went for a match. No joke, I could still taste the onion the following Thursday. I was sweating onion. Every time I breathed in or breathed out, all I could taste was onion. It was like it just stuck to the inside of my nose. It was the most appalling thing. Uh, Back in the days of working in the office, it was not okay. It was bad. It was so horrible. So I think definitely there's a place on the fines list for eating of vegetables, definitely. Particularly for the non-drinkers. I think I'd sooner down a pint than eat an onion. In fact, I'd sooner down 100 pints than eat an onion. Just writing that down, Matthew. You love it. Down a hundred pints <laughs> and eat an onion. Shall we see? You'd be dead. <laughs> well, I missed the last pod, and don't shoot me, but I, I didn't actually make it to the end of the pod, so I've not caught up yet. So I don't actually know what the fines were last pod. Lame. Lame. Yeah. Sorry. I've been Weak. busy. Probably is it Edward Pint Hands? Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, Amy Winehands. Yes, Amy Winehands. So you've got to tape your pints. We've had that one. That's actually two episodes ago. Which you were actually on. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I don't think that we agreed on that. We I did. need to pay more attention. We did do a boat race last night, didn't we? Which was down your drink, eat a mince pie. Yeah. Oh, God. Sounds easy. The drinking bit really is. The mince pie, whoa, that is oh. hard, man. It's hard, it's hard. It basically turns to glue in your mouth. Yeah. You have to sort of constantly rotate it in your mouth as if your mouth like a giant cement mixer or a mini cement mixer rather and then gradually swallow little bits of it at a time it's not a pleasant experience uh, so i saw all sorts of people putting a whole mince pie in yeah, their I mouth did. in a wanna and i thought well i'm hardcore i can do that turns out no i can't <laughs> anyway so the gag reflex i put the whole mince pie in and went the mince pie came out, had to re-eat oh. half of it, and then save the other half for when I stopped gagging. Yeah, so that That's was fun. disgusting. When I took my bra off at the end of the night at home, I might just add. <laughs> in the wickstead. In the middle of in the, the wickstead. <laughs> Not in the wick. All sorts of mince pie crumbs came falling out. I think that only happens on a rugby night out. I love it. You know, when we play Eccles, whoever is the player of the match has to down a pint and eat an Eccles cake. And I can imagine that's very similar to the yeah, mince pie situ. I imagine it's very similar. Yeah. We had this challenge. Definitely. I've got my fine. Go on. I've got my fine. Like running mince pies from one end of the pitch to the other, as well as carrots, parsnips and potatoes. <laughs> Sarah cheated by putting in a knickers. And then realised that when she went to get a shower, she had all mince pie crumbs in a gusset. <laughs> oh. Oh, and then didn't she take the knickers off? No, nowhere to put them. Yes. She put them in the Diddy Rugby rugby ball bag. No, yes. no, 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 no. no. They were some random knickers she found, but she came to play without any knickers on in the first place. Oh, my God. So, if anything, she actually put the mince pie in a vagina. <laughs> Stop it! Poor John must have got a shock when she got home with all those crumbs. Yeah, oh, under 30 text know? messages. Lighting up some. I started it after Sarah put some tweezers in my pint glass or something. It just snowballed. Yeah, I started it and then it just snowballed from there. There was like multiple people in on it in the end. Although I think Reed was the main architect. Standard. <laughs> yeah, sorry. 
I just remember sitting there with Sarah's phone, just giggling like a child. But what was a little bit worrying by the end of it, poor John wasn't really sure (laughs) what was jokes and what wasn't. Like You can see him thinking, I could be in here. I want to promise here. Or am I? Yeah, that self-doubt was creeping in in the return messages. John, if you're listening, sorry. Sarah, if you're listening, you know how to make it up to him. It's very clear from his replies what he's into. You're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. My mind is in the gutter. It was the lube where he said, the one with the gold flakes. I was like, um... You know that gin you get with the gold flakes in that's got a snow globe going on and it lights up? I was like, oh, maybe they do do lube of that colour. I don't know. <sighs> Gives a whole new meaning to Goldschlager. Goldschlonger. Goldschlonger, yeah. Right, anyway, thanks Sorry. for that. TMI, TMI, TMI. My fine would be the swapping of underwear, but... What we don't want to do is we don't want to promote STIs within the rugby team because COVID's already rife. So when they swap underwear, you have to wear their underwear on the outside of your either skirt or trousers. Ah, like it. That is a prime fine at uni. It's also great when you've got coaches (laughs) because then the, uh, the girls have to wear the boxers and the men have to wear whatever item of underwear Maybe Louise's purple knickers uh, <laughs> that she's got on post game. They so. are my lucky pants as well. I think that could get in the shit kit competition, which we also need to talk about, Matt. We do, absolutely. Good prompt. Those of you that are following us on social media, you'll be seeing our amazing shit kit competition. So anything goes with this. So any photos you've got, or you can go and take, or videos even of kit that is ill-fitting that is badly designed is damaged in some way that just looks rubbish or is badly matched with everything else you're wearing that is absolutely fine for the comp all you need to do is put a picture under the poster online in the comment section like and share the pod and also like and share halbro halbro are joining us in the competition and have put in a fantastic prize which is a a stash package which is going to be a rucksack and t-shirts and all kinds of different goodies from the halbro range and we're also putting in the amazing grassroots hamper which is now expanded to include a signed photo of shez says herself there's a couple of stickers arriving as well. One's fake taxi, one's I heart dogging. That's going to be in there, is it? Although, <laughs> although I kind of want to go to Sherry's house with this I heart dogging car sticker and secretly put it on her van. Yeah, so get your payback in revenge for my fortieth, thirtieth. Probably find there's already one on there that she put there herself. So this great competition, I mean, genuinely really worth winning the Halbro Prize and the stuff we're putting in is a lot of fun. So get on it, share it amongst your, your teammates, send those pictures in. The more ridiculous, the better. And in the new year, we'll be announcing the winner. And I think Halbro themselves are going to pick who, who wins that. So get on it. Bit of fun and uh, you can win some great stuff. Takes one for the face. Full in the face. Look at this. Very definition of taking one for the team. Oh my god. That is extraordinary. And the kick lands on the head and offside is accidental. This is every team's got one. Mischief maker on a yes. night out. Good one. <laughs> like it. The planter of seeds. The mischief maker for a night out. I mean, every team really does have one. And if you haven't got one, you should get one. 
<laughs> or two or three, but generally the ones who are more mature in age, but not mentally. They've got probably children who play practical jokes on them. They play jokes on their children, but they're goaders. All of us in this podcast, we are those people. Yeah. In a lighthearted way, you only do it to people who you know who can take it. Molly, what would you say are the hallmarks of a good mischief maker? Bit of a social light, so likes to make their way around the room, chat to everybody, knows people quite well, knows how to piss people off and also get them on side. So if you want to get a few people in on a practical joke, you've got to be able to talk them up. Can hold their drink to a certain extent, but also gets a bit shit-faced so they go over the line. (laughs) Basically, like Lou said, all of us. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say as well, pretty light-fingered. I think a good mischief maker is quite good at robbing stuff. Good at yeah, slipping phones you, out of people's pockets and changing. Yeah, but you know, Matt, you didn't rob that. That's well, the nutcracker. The nutcracker man. Thing, he was about yeah. six foot tall. It was early on in the night. If it was the last pub of the night, I might have had a look at it. But trying, it was trying to secure a six foot tall wooden nutcracker statue <laughs> at six thirty on a Saturday night and trying to conceal it for five hours <laughs> was a bridge too far even for me. I think Molly's absolutely right. That one that's good at socialising around the room, everyone kind of gets on with, and then they just have that ability to just slip something in your bag or take something out of your pocket or just do those little things that you don't really realise until it's too late. So we're saying pickpocketing. Yeah. The old classic of, I remember somebody robbed my phone once and I think it was Goose actually. And I woke up to, I don't know how many photos. It was hundreds of photos have been taken on my phone. <laughs> Dubs is one of... doing that as well. Dubs, just like to take pictures on people's phones. Hold on, we did that one year, didn't we? And we, we took someone's glasses. We took Goose's glasses and oh we made God. all sorts of people and Kim's wear them. And we <laughs> took pictures of people wearing them on Goose's phone. <laughs> <laughs> It's when someone does it, you wake up the next morning like, oh, let's have a look at the picture. You're like, I don't remember taking these. (laughs) Who's that? (laughs) They're my glasses. I've done them in it. Where am I? Every team's got a mischief maker and should definitely invest in one if they haven't got one. Yeah, we can give you one of ours. We've got loads. We can be hired. We could go as a grassroots (laughs) pod provoker. So we will be hired and we will come to your night out and make said fun. We can graft. We can speak to people. Jodie can talk about what they like to wear in the shower. We can go to the bar, get lots of alcoholic beverages in, peruse around the room and just bring poos and put them in pipes. Start goading. Poos and beer. We'll put a price list online. And now, we remember our fallen teammates who laid down their mobility and dignity in the noble struggle against the tyranny of skill and athleticism. Phoebe Dunn, Stourbridge Panthers, ruptured ACL, damaged LCL and lost eyelash. Laura Williams, crew and Nantwich women, truly awful hangover. Emma Fletcher, Boston Ladies, Badly Cut Head. Jodie Hind, Podcast Crew, COVID-19 for the third time. Get well soon, Jodie. They shall grow not cold, 
as we that are left grow cold. Breakdowns shall not weary them, nor the muds condemn. At the going down of the scrum and in the mauling, we will remember them. To our fallen comrades, we salute you. I think it's time to say massive happy Christmas to our listeners, really. This will be the last one that will go out before Christmas or probably slightly after Christmas, I'd imagine. Happy Christmas to all our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to have a little bit of a break now till the new year. We hope you have a fantastic time and keep listening. Happy Christmas, everyone. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We're going to have a break over Christmas to recharge our brains and go to the gym and um, drink some sparkling mineral water and eat some lettuce and shit like that. We'll be coming back into the new year fully refreshed and full of more shit chat. (laughs) (laughs) One stars, fuck off. At least give us two. (laughs) If they can be bothered to go onto the pod to give one star, they're just basically got nothing better to do and they're malicious and they've got nothing constructive to say we are the gold glitter of sarah's husband's lube we are the tits (laughs) hire us and we'll bring the glitter to the party and the lube who wouldn't want to hire us now i'm gonna look for glitter lube in a minute sounds great also i'm sure that's already a business can't you only pay someone to come over to your house with lube (laughs) Uh, (laughs) jody whoa Everyone stand by for their Christmas gifts. There is Anne Summer's Liquid Satin Glitter Lube. Yep, I'll take two. So if anyone wants to slip that into their rugby bag, don't worry, we've got you covered. Should we put some in the grassroots hamper? I'm not sure how some glitter will intensify orgasms and increase sexual pleasure. It sounds like a recipe for thrush. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a marketing gimmick, if I'm honest. Does your vagina then glow with glitter? It's like a disco ball. Oh my God. This is amazing. So there's some fizzing bath bombs and it's called my clitter. How amazing is that? As in like clitoris glitter. Sorry. (laughs) Reviews on those products, please. What people wrote about them. I bet they didn't get one fucking star, did they? (laughs) No, I bet they got... Oh, it's four and a half stars for these glitter bath bombs. Right. Right, I need to leave this conversation. My Google history's gone out of hand. Is it on your work laptop, we- Molly? No, thank God, but it's all gone west. <laughs> oh, oh God. God. Right. Well, that takes us to another spear tackle of an episode. We hope you enjoyed it. The podcast crew are now taking a short break. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in the new year. If you would like your team featured, please get in touch. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up. You may wonder what male grooming has to do with the podcast about women's rugby. I must admit, when Manscapes got in touch with us with a fantastic discount offer for our listeners, I also couldn't really see why. Then when I received the Perfect Package 4.0 to take a look, all became clear. 
You may not have balls, but that doesn't mean the men in your life shouldn't benefit from Manscaped's amazing range of products designed and developed specifically to give the most intimate area of a man's body the love it deserves. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a fabulous device combining a luxury quality finish with an extremely effective cutting tool. It makes short work of unwanted hair wherever you may find it. The boffins at Manscaped have clearly worked wonders with the range of devices and accessories. You can groom in total confidence that it's safe, quiet and easy to use. You may even give it a go yourself. To take advantage of the exclusive Grassroots offer, use the code GRASSROOTS when you order. This will give you an amazing 20% off and free shipping. This Christmas, his balls will thank you. <laughs>